listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Anyway, welcome to episode 108 of Cinemental. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? I don't know. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. Then why don't you kiss me like everybody else does? How about new? The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. I came here like this so you'll know my word of death is true. And that my word of life is then true. everyone, welcome to another episode of the Movie Podcast that we can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Ovicki, and as usual, I'm here with my co-host, Hassan Godwin, and Latham Conger III. Our guest today studied film at Seton Hall and wrote and directed three independent films before creating an award-winning web series called Haywire. He is currently the video producer for convention company Comic-Con Revolution. Scott Klein, welcome back to Cinemental. Thank you, sir. Pleasure to be back. Very nice to have you back. Haven't... Uh... Haven't seen your face in a while. It's been about uh, ooh, 50 episodes or so since you've been on. So uh, we'll have- I look 50 episodes older. <laughs> I think we all look 50 episodes older. <laughs> At least we feel 50 episodes older. That's for that's, sure. That's for sure. <laughs> that ain't a lie. That ain't a lie. Um, <laughs> So let's uh, let's uh, we got a couple of a uh, couple of real real movies to talk about today. So uh, let's uh, let's jump in and suffer from consumption. Uh, Hassan, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> since what? Since we're going from uh, Wednesday, right? Um, yes, sir. Watch episode the the last episode of the the Good Fight. Watch the Friday episode of the Is Bat the Good Batch. Fight the, the sequel show to The Good Wife? Yes, it is. Okay, all right. I watched all Sweet Tooth. Oh, what'd you think? Um, it's, it's a show. Wow, okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, you know, not to not to ruin it for any... Well, I won't. I won't ruin it for of anymore. Course. But the show kind of just comes to a stop. Yep. Just as it's starting to move, you know? So it's yep. like, oh, fuck you, Netflix. I'm not going to watch I'm not waiting here two and a half years to find out, like, you know, you won't have to wait whether so-and-so years. wakes up or not. Yeah, what do you mean? Yeah, I do. You got to no, wait. You, no, you don't. You won't, wait two don't? And a half, you won't wait two and a half years. When was, uh, when was the uh, last season of uh, Stranger Things? That's different. I don't, no, I don't know. It's not? Why would that be different? It's on the same network. It was established through three seasons. All right. This is the first season, Sweet Tooth. Okay, but we just recorded this. So two and a half years from now, when Sweet Tooth 2 comes up, (laughs) I'm going to be a dick. So in 200 episodes, when Sweet Tooth 2 comes out, I'm going to be on I'm going to be a monster about that shit. (laughs) But both of you just gaslighted me. Like, oh, 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 oh. But uh, so all right, so you but but other other than the fact that it ended abruptly, you didn't you didn't think much of the show. Oh, I liked the story. it. You, you didn't read the, you didn't read the comic, right? No, I didn't okay. Fucking, I didn't like the art, so I didn't read ah, the comic book. Gotcha. Um, however, it was it was really good, very interesting. Um, there you know, there's some great stuff in it. 
but it just kind of by the time all the pieces start to come together to seem like it's something is going to happen yeah it's just like and yeah maybe we'll get maybe we won't get canceled and you can see the rest of this yeah they they really did spend almost the entire first season just in setup of everything and then basically when you would really get into the meat of your your primary your primary arc it was like okay that's where we're going to start the second season so yeah i mean i I get what they did it because they because there's a lot of information to convey and a lot of stuff to set up and i don't i don't i didn't feel like when i was watching it that any of that time was wasted in fairness 90 percent of what they set up could have been set up in two episodes it's not that deep it wasn't that deep it was the it was the manner in which they decided to give you that information that was that was stretched out and intricate, but the information that they ended up giving you wasn't all that momentous. It was okay. good, but like you know, when you're in hour seven and you're like, oh, you're just telling me that now, but I already figured that out. Like you know, okay, so it up oh, crotch. Okay. Sorry, crotch gone. Uh, <laughs> crotch up. <laughs> What are you talking about? Yeah. For, those, for those of you listening at home. <laughs> I thought Latham was about to make a statement. <laughs> Let me explain how wrong you are, young man. What was the um, name? What was it? <laughs> I watched the Tomorrow War. Oh. Uh, uh, Polarizing. Yeah, you know what? The Tomorrow War was fine. It was just a stupid popcorn movie about an alien it? invasion. I don't even remember. Um, I didn't even pay attention to that. Uh, However, I did find that the stupid popcornness of it was done very smart. So it's just a weird juxtaposition because there's a lot of foreshadowing, a lot of information that was given to you in the film. It's done, in my opinion, in a clever way where you're like, "Mm, that information is going to be important later, but they didn't hit me over the head with it. So I'm very appreciative of it. The guy, the guy who directed it, uh, it's his first. Yes, uh, nobody. It's his. He he directed the Lego Batman movie. Oh, that's uh, and, uh, a, and a bunch of episodes of Robot Chicken. Don't oh. be a snob. I'm just <laughs> saying it's, a, it's, his, it's his first. Basically, it's his first. Certainly, first big feature. But, I didn't okay. think it was bad. I mean, I you know, look. It, I just heard a lot of people. Steve Steve can check it out. The you Scott and and Latham might as well skip it. <laughs> okay. I was actually going to try and fit it in today, and I just I just lost time. I just, uh, I just you don't mind watching something that if it doesn't if it if it if it didn't make your fancy, you don't feel like it, it did something mean to you. Whereas the should... other two people in our panel <laughs> tend to take that personally sometimes. So uh, I know yeah, that I from experience. A, I might get offended. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I so, take great umbrage at watching this. <laughs> yeah. what, what have you done to me? And I'm not going to be the guy who recommended that. So basically. <laughs> dear netflix yeah. dear first time director i would like 78 cents credited to my account for How the two hours you? i spent yeah uh, i watched a documentary on netflix called murder by the coast i don't even remember what that was someone got murdered by a coast was that the sarah um, no okay um i did see that though i don't even know if i wrote that but down. somebody somebody did get murdered by the coast yeah, it was, a, but it was like a foreign language kind of thing. Oh. So it was as like long someone, as long as that happened somewhere in there, and I'm fine. Someone did. <laughs> okay. Sadly, someone very much got murdered by the coast. 
I watch Iron Fist and Kung Fu Kicks uh, uh, documentary. Oh, I love that about the cinema. Yeah, yeah I which love is, that documentary. It's so much fun. Pretty great. It was. Um, I watched the pop music documentary. It's called Pop. The music. Documentary, oh, I saw whatever. that. I didn't watch it. I saw the the listing for it. I forget the exact name of this one, but it's uh, the Chris Claremont documentary that's on Amazon. I watched that. I went crazy oh. documentaries this weekend. I don't know why. It happens. Uh, uh, there was there was a there's a really great. This is a YouTube video. There was a two. There was an hour and a half. Uh, a car, uh, A YouTuber went into an hour and a half deep dive into the Pacific Rim franchise, which was pretty great. Her conclusions were strange, though. I can't recommend it to too many people. But there's only two movies in an animated series, right? Yeah, well, uh, there was two movies, and she deep dived into two movies in the animated series. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then, and then talked about uh, why some characters were done dirty and some characters were done excellently, and they should have never take, taken it out of Guillermo del Toro's hands. And blah 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 blah. The whole thing. Wow, that's true. But <laughs> what are you gonna do? I watched a Dungeons and Dragons documentary about the art that's done that that is that, that went into the games and the um and the guidebooks of Dungeons and Dragons, which is pretty good. Cool. I watched this stupid documentary called The Beast of Bray Road about people who thought they saw a werewolf on a road. Seen it. That's terrible. It wasn't great. And then I watched the movie Werewolves Within. Oh, so much fun. It was pretty fun. I don't recommend it to the other two guys on the cast. So. I, uh, I, I, I I disagree with you. I think I think Lathan would find it amusing. Yeah, I'll add it to the list with the other six hundred goddamn. Things. It's uh, it's it's pretty good, and it's it's shockingly, it's it it uh, it stars. Um, I can't remember that guy's name. What's the main guy's name? I don't remember. But it's got Richie the Jay Richardson or something like that. It's got the it's the it's got the girl from the Sprint commercials. Uh, Vena Weintraub. Or vein oh, trouble, yeah, Marina brain she trouble. In, yeah. She's in it with it. She's great. Yeah, it she's, was she's really funny. It. The first Yonder time, not revealing herself crusade still. No, 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 no. She's she's pretty much seen in. It. I mean, she's not naked, but I mean, uh, she was seen enough that when the first time she takes off her big puffy coat because it takes place in winter, uh, Deirdre said, "Wow, she's got a rack." Yep. So, yeah, there you go. Doesn't like that people talk about it. So. Well, too bad for her. She must have made this before she went on her crusade. So. That's a good thing. Yeah, no, no, I, I enjoyed it. We had, we had a blast with it. I thought it was really, it was really uh, kind of cutely put together. Some werewolves of the, within. Werewolves I, within. Yeah. Writing it down. What else? You yeah. Did you watch? Did you watch? Did you end up watching uh, Gaia? No. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Sorry, I I'm still I still may watch it. I just we'll we'll see. Okay. We'll see, though my week's already gone to shit, so I don't know if I'm gonna <laughs> I watched the true crime documentary, The Supermarket Heist, which was kinda was okay. Pretty good. I watched a documentary of crack cocaine, corruption, and conspiracy about crack cocaine and then the corruption behind crack cocaine and then the, the fact that the whole thing was a conspiracy. Uh, then I watched the documentary Who Killed Jam Master Jay. I told you, I don't, I don't know what happened to me. I'm like, I'll, I'll watch that. I then. saw that one. I, I didn't, that. I didn't, uh, I didn't add it to my list, but I did see that on my, it did, it did pop up. Did they tell you it? who killed him? No, because I don't know. You see, now that's the problem. 
Well, yeah, they don't say we will tell you who killed him. They just ask you, hey, who killed him? So it might be that point. the whole documentary is a if question had, to you. If they had Scott, called it, we're going to know who killed Jim. If they had called it, we're going to tell you. Who yeah, that would, <laughs> yeah, that would be a violation. <laughs> right. That would be, I watched a documentary called Struggle, The Life uh, and Lost Art of uh, uh, Sokolsky, this, this uh, sculptor. Yeah. Who was, you know, this Greek sculptor who made these amazing Greek things. And then it turned out he was a Nazi and everybody who supported him was kind of freaked out by it. <laughs> um, pretty awesome because it was like it was like the way they did the um, the the Cecil Hotel doc where it made you think that the documentary was going this one in this complete direction. And then for the third act and they said, oh, and then he's a Nazi and we all hate him. And oh, here's wow. Why. <laughs> so <laughs> that's exactly what I said. Oh, damn. What do you mean he's a Nazi? That's not going to play with the they, they totally from dust till dawn, you. Yeah. <laughs> He's a funny Nazi, though. He was a very funny guy. Um, oh, well, good. I watched the documentary Let It Fall, Los Angeles, which was about the Los Angeles riots. And then last night, I watched Crazy Samurai Musashi. Ooh! 77-minute-long single-cut battle scene. Yeah, one versus 400. Nice. What'd you think? That sounds miserable. It wasn't for me. Okay. It wasn't for people like us. No. Don't watch it. Educated people? Discerning people. Interesting, because oh. I'm, I'm actually dying to watch it. I'm sure you are, but you'll be dying when you watch it again. Because that you, you feel every minute of the 70 minutes right there. Secondly, um, it's done in choreographed segments. Yeah, I don't like that. So there are at least I can we counted because I watched it with Mike and uh, Alex. We counted six stuntmen that you saw over and over and over again, like and you know them, and they actually come in and do the same move over and over and over again. So the entire the entire gimmickry behind it was that the scene just lasts seventy minutes. It's not an intricately. Uh, done amazing feat of choreography and and you know uh, roller coaster ride fighting okay. you know so you'll have one guy and he comes in and he'll, he'll get hit in the head and then he they won't fall he'll stagger off because you can't have bodies on the ground because it's going to mess up everybody else's choreography and then the next guy's going to come in and he's going to do an elaborate sword move and then a the guy's going to kill him and he will stagger off and then you could always tell when that segment was about to end because that's when the bodies would start piling up. That's when people would start falling where they got where they got stabbed. And then that meant that we were going to move from that set piece to another set piece, maybe a bridge or maybe an archway or gotcha. maybe into a house gotcha. or something like that. And okay. it's, it's interesting. Um, it's fun to watch when you're just trying to have fun with it. But if you think you're going to watch some kind of crazy... And I love samurai cinema. I'm I'm crazy about it. But if you think you're going to watch some amazing feat of uh, choreography, you're 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 going to notice. Mistaken? Say it. Say sad. No, mistaken. you're gonna you're gonna notice about a half hour <laughs> in that like I've seen all this before, and then that's a half hour into what's going to be another hour and ten minutes. Gotcha. And you're like, oh, okay, okay. So this is just a test of endurance now, right? We're just going to see how long we're going to watch this before we freak out. So that's what happened. Although Alex and Mike uh, enjoyed it. So basically they'll listen to this and then they'll be mad at me. 
Right, but I, pretend, do you th- I pretended I had fun, but I didn't. <laughs> but like you said, with watching it, did you think that as soon as you started noticing those those technical things about it, it took you out of it and that didn't allow you just to sit back and enjoy it? Uh, yeah, see, you know what? I don't know. Um, if I didn't know what the movie was when I when I was when I sat down to watch it, I probably it probably would have dawned on me maybe halfway through and the immersion would have faded away a little more evenly. Gotcha. But so you the, knew the, about you know, it going the, in. Yeah, the selling point. I didn't know about the you know the the way they were gonna uh, piece every one of these yeah. segments together. But I did know it's like, oh man, it's a seventy minute fight scene with no cuts in it. It's gonna be like you know nineteen seventeen. It's gonna be in a you know they they built it up. So I said, all right, that's gonna that'll be amazing. A nineteen seventeen version of a samurai battle. Right, and then it's like, no, this is—it's not <laughs> 1917. This is literally lasting 19 hours and 17 minutes. And then, uh, <laughs> can we stop watching this, please? Uh, All right. But then they were like, "What would you guys think?" I was like, "No, it's great. <laughs> yeah. Good choice, Alex." Um, so now Sounds they're going like to feel betrayed when they hear this. What was that? Yeah, there was no screenplay. There was oh. also, <laughs> also, I don't know. I'm not going to give away the beginning, but the main character does something so heinous in the beginning, and then I remember Mike Ricaro going, "Wait a minute, that's the hero." Oh, <laughs> he he just did the. What are we? We're supposed to be following this guy, you know? And then, oh, and, man. And he, but it, the ordeal is so uh, prolonged that you forget that he did this amazingly terrible thing in the beginning and you're just like man i just hope he gets out of there and gets a nap because this guy looks now what's amazing is that that um actor the talk he did the whole thing for 70 minutes he managed to yeah and it, there's no cuts to it it's not like they piece the you know those sequences together he there are interesting moments where he technically gets a rest he gets to rest he's killed enough people that the that the entire he's, village that's trying to kill him between you, waves, you know, yeah, to just give him, yeah, give him a breather. And he's 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 strategically finding water bottles, these bamboo water bottles all over the town, <laughs> so that he could, you know, so, so it's, like, mean, it's this, a video game. Yes, there's some, and and it is exactly a video game because every every segment he hits a, a level boss where there's a one guy who comes in and he lasts a bit longer than most of the other. Uh, red shirts that they send up against him you know movie, thing one thing two yet thing at the three, end of the day four. it's still better than prince of persian well well yeah but i mean losing my debit card today was better than prince of persia so i mean that's that's how that works is prince better, of persia is, was was it better than assassin's creed i don't think i saw that movie oh okay but probably I didn't play the game, but I saw the movie and the movie was uh, almost indecipherable in the, in the direction that it took. And I was just like, is this what the game is like? Because, like, I honestly have no idea what I, I what I expected, what I thought the game was in Assassin's Creed. When I saw the movie, I was completely confused. The game because is damn confusing. What's that? The game is pretty darn confusing. Oh, OK. <laughs> but did it have like like body transference and time travel and all yeah, that going on? all that weird stuff going on oh okay that is part of the game <laughs> well yeah. then it's that oh, is not well, a bad that, movie then. It's, it's, <laughs> well i mean well now i mean now i understand at least why it's there i mean when you're watching the movie i mean oh, listen from all you ever see in assassin's creed commercials or advertising is these cool battle sequences in different time periods of a guy either in like 
in Arabia or in a pirate thing or all these different cool things, but you don't get a sense of the inner workings of the game from that stuff. No. So it's like, if there's a, a thing where a guy is being inserted through, you know, through uh, science and technology into these time periods to, to have these adventures, that makes a lot more sense. But I mean, I didn't know that going in. So obviously I think that if people, more people had known that, I think they would have, I think this movie would have done a little better because people would have had some rough understanding of what was going on. Cause it was just, there was a lot of just like a lot of time that they didn't really explain a lot of it. I mean, it was just like, they'd stop all of a sudden he would be like in a completely different thing. And like in this giant mechanical device. And you're just like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> the sequel's a lot better. Everyone's more chill. <clears throat> Which was um, what? And then, Creed, Creed two? No, it's called Assassin's Weed. Oh yeah, people are a lot more. You walked. Yeah. You walked right into that. Man. Yeah, well, you know. You know, that's like what Ryan said. I held the door years, open <laughs> years and years ago about um about to catch a predator with uh Chris Chris Hansen. <laughs> yeah, you. Walked he said, that. you know, he said, you know, it's you know, it's horrible about that that first episode. I said, what? He goes that there was a second episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, like after and, you after you see these what happens to these guys there are still idiots still falling for this trap and, and 13 for, seasons after yes, that for exactly God's you know you think at least you know you might be able to sneak one season in but after that once it airs you're like hello yeah it's like and they're not they don't even change up their tactics no it's like the no. same tactic every week that's how dumb, okay that's thanks how for comparing my jokes to child molestation can we move on please <laughs> jesus you had that coming for the crotch thing, man. Um, so after Musashi. And hold on. And then the last movie I watched was Ruroni, the fourth movie in the Ruroni Kenshin. Uh, I needed a palate cleanser. And that was <laughs> Is awesome. That live action or anime? It's live action. Okay. There are, there are three before it. Not, none of them are on Netflix. I actually own those three. But this last one came out, and it's at the, it, it's at the same level of quality as the previous three i I've, and that is like l- literally stunt samurai stuff it's not again it's not kurosawa i'm it's just, literally a guy with superpowers running around with a samurai sword killing hundreds of people i mean oh, nice hundred, actually no he beats a hundred he hundreds of people up because his whole gimmick is he used to be this hellacious assassin and then he turned his life around so then he had a sword made with no blade on it so he just beats people with his sword. With the pommel? No, he beats people with the blade, but there's no there's, there's no, no, there's edge, no edge on the blade. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That's so he just slaps people around with his sword the entire That's movie. Kind of but it's great. It's I'm really super great. happy because I just finally got my hands on I've had the first, I've had the last four Shinobi movies, mm-hmm. and I haven't had the first one. And I just finally found a copy of the first one. So now I have all five Shinobi movies, the original ones from the 60s. So I'm very excited oh, to be able man. to dig into those. And then I think I finally fell asleep. <laughs> so that's the end of my consumption. Gotcha. I, I had the long, this is the longest one I've ever had. Yeah, you had a lot of stuff. Like, yeah. Good job, Steve. Nice list. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> His list is longer than mine, is that's for sure. Uh, I have very short ones. Very short ones. Uh, I watched uh, all the supplemental things uh, that Amazon put out regarding Borat 2. How many did they do? Uh, they did uh, They did a whole series of episodes regarding the two guys 
the two conspiracy guys that Borat lived with during the uh, pandemic. Okay. And they forced them to address each of the conspiracies they believed in and then presented the obvious evidence that they aren't true and then made them talk by Zoom to someone <laughs> in regards to it. <laughs> and they had no answers. And it was, uh, they, they don't seem like bad people. They just seem very misinformed. So did, they, did any of them know who killed Jam Master Jay? That's the question. <laughs> yeah. They did not. They, they did not. And, and you know yeah. why? Because no one does. Because no <laughs> not even the guy that killed him yeah <laughs> guy killed him we will never know is even better uh because no one cares that's oh right. that's no one cares okay yeah. uh, except maybe his son maybe his always son. always gotta make it uh, i don't i don't care i don't care i got you uh, and uh well maybe i care i don't even know who he is um <laughs> i know his name but i don't an idiot just keep I, going I man i don't i don't even <laughs> I think I might know me. Ah, I don't know anything about him. Um, What's happening? Okay. <laughs> uh, we watched um, the uh, pilot episode of, I showed it to my daughter, of The Kids in the Hall. Yeah. <laughs> which I had never seen the pilot episode. I'd seen every episode except the pilot, but it came with this DVD set. So we popped it in, and surprisingly, uh, it was laugh out loud funny, and oh, there yeah. were moments where her mouth dropped with the humor they were trying to pass <laughs> off. And then I remembered why I love the show so much. So, has she ever watched Monty Python, or does she like British humor? We watched uh, Monty Python: The Holy Grail. She thought that was really funny. But you haven't showed her the TV episodes yet. Not yet, but okay. we want. She wants to watch. So she's really into comedy now. So she likes. She she wants to watch more kids in the hall, and as long as we get to the episode with my pen. Uh, I'll be happy because that's my favorite skit. So um, it's just funny. They had no money. And this pilot is just really clever and really great. And way, way ahead of Saturday Night Live. And it's, uh, you know, they obviously they went after a lot of taboo topics. And it's uh, it's pretty funny. So that's that. And then the only movie I watched was uh, I finally watched Army of the Dead. Oh, uh, you did. Uh, I did. And Scott, have you okay. seen it? I have. Okay. Good. Everyone here has we seen it. We have all seen it. So tear away. I'll <laughs> say two two things. The first 45 minutes are really good. And the setup for the story was really original. I thought it was a great zombie idea. It, was, it seemed different to me. So I was into it. And then the movie just, I don't know, it 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 picks these set pieces that are just questionable. Like, Maybe he thought they would look good in a comic book, but they just weren't that involving. They, you know, the gore is just nothing is that big of a thing in it. And I don't know. I just, it just lost me and I wanted to like it more. The last scene with the helicopter, that was pretty cool. Um, then I read online, there's this time travel theory, which is just stupid. I mean, it makes no sense and doesn't make the movie better as if that were maybe part of the actual plot. I was going to say, what did you think of all the other crazy stuff? Like them finding the bodies in the vault that it matched all of them. And yeah, I mean, that's, and, and then like the robot zombies in the background. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, the movie I didn't think was, is it's not like watching star Wars and knowing empire strikes back is coming out. I don't, I don't care. So whatever your 
Gotcha. Whatever you're trying to set up. But then he announced today, right? Didn't he announce the sequel? No, he announced that he signed on to Netflix to create a new sci-fi series called Rebel Moon, in which is a, a intense and immense world-building project that he's apparently been working on for the last who knows how many years, like in his spare time while doing all this other stuff. So he's getting a, he got a basically direct order to create, and I don't know if it's a movie or a series, but it's called Rebel Moon. And it's supposed to set up an entirely new sci-fi universe for him to go play in. So, cause he can't do anything but world build. He can't just make, he can't just make stories. He can only world build. So, you know what? It, so, so now he's done this. They, you know, he, he, he created that movie and they went off and they've got the sequel or the prequel that's coming out army of thieves that he was only executive producing. And then, you know, now then he's going to jump into this, this sci-fi universe. So. Oh, army of thieves. Yeah. That's yeah. the, that that's is the, the prequel. It's the prequel with the, with the, uh, the guy, the, the lock pick guy or the safe guy, the safe cracker, the German safe Who's cracker. directing it. Uh, I don't know. It's somebody I didn't recognize. Okay. I don't even care then. Yeah. And that's all I watch. Uh, so I guess we've suffered enough. So, so for, for Scott's, uh, initial film pick, uh, we go back to the karate kid. Come on. This is it. This is the end of the line. You're telling me. God, how did that happen? The truth, you don't want to hear the truth. All you want to hear is how great it is out here. Well, it may be great for you, but it sucks for me. Karate. Yeah. Hey, you ever taught anyone? No. Who would you? I promise teach karate. You promise learn. I say you do. Wax on, wax off. Don't forget to breathe. Very important. So karate's fighting. You're trained to fight. That's what you think. No. Then why train? So I won't have to fight. <laughs> I don't have much of a cheering section. You got me? To win, lose, no matter. You prove a point. From 1984, directed by John G. Avildsen, a running time of 126 minutes. And although probably not needed, as I think I am possibly the last person on Earth to watch this movie, Daniel, a Jersey kid, moves to L.A. and is bullied by the local tough guy who used to date the girl who has now set her sights on Daniel. Long story short, he learns karate from his apartment building's handyman and faces off with the bully in a local tournament. Scott? Why'd you pick Karate Kid? Come on. <laughs> I've never seen it. Are you? I'm not kidding. That's why I said I've, I've never seen this movie. You weren't joking. I oh, wasn't wow. kidding. Okay. Okay. Why, why Karate Kid? Have you heard what he usually watches? Of course he's never seen this movie. Man. I didn't see Goonies until I was in my 30s. Idiot. Okay, it so came, I... It came out at right... Wow. The, sorry, sorry, Scott, go ahead. I, I saw Karate Kid when it came out. Um, and I had started taking karate maybe a year or two before. Uh-huh. Uh, and by the time I saw it, it 
in 80 when it came out in 84 correct yes i was headed into high school so it was so in my wheelhouse at the time it's ridiculous i it, it basically was tailor-made for me and my friends who had just started karate not long before um, <laughs> it it was uh but were you bullied does do brothers count <laughs> uh, nah, not really because that's a no. good um well what, what, it's interesting one, one of the things i i like about the karate kid is daniel is not a nerd um right you get the sense that back in his hometown he was one of the cool kids um right. and everybody kind of liked him uh he was it's just this new place that he's being dragged to uh it's got so many it's it's so many things put into one like it's a fish out of water. It's a coming of age. It's a father and son story. It's a teacher student story. But I think what, what makes it awesome is even though it's got all those things, the Miyagi character and him more than anything else become friends. And that's unusual for a mentor student relationship. Um, yeah. They Daniel brings as much to Miyagi as Miyagi gives him um, for a man that had such a rich storied past he really is lonely sitting in the back of, of some washed up hotel being a maintenance man miyagi is probably my favorite mentor character in film history um of all time including all the classic yoda blah 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 all of them uh, miyagi is is my number one uh because he's human he's so very human um which they show in that wonderful scene where he reflects on his wife's death. Mm -hmm. uh, the Karate Kid is not a great martial arts movie. I mean, those Daniel can't fight worth a damn, even after he <laughs> learns karate. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so what? As a as a student of martial arts back then, so infatuated with it, it it wasn't like it hit me like a Bruce Lee movie where I was going, "Oh, sweet Jesus, look at this guy." This was more. It captured me with the story uh, beyond the martial arts. Um, all those those rich themes that it brings in. Um, it's part of our lexicon, right? I mean, wax on, wax off, sweep the leg. Uh, all that Absolutely. stuff. Get him a body bag. Um, <laughs> all, all that crazy stuff that you hear. Uh, the, who hasn't done the crane kick at some point that's our age <laughs> and pulled their hamstring out their freaking mouth? Um and another thing I was thinking as I was rewatching it, is this the first time a character yelled finish him? Because I know, I know finish him is well, like a classic. Is this where it came from? Because I don't know. it may be. Sark but, says it in Tron, sort yeah. of. He says finish the yeah. game. But, but he says finish him. Oh, no, the he game. says finish him. He doesn't he has yeah, he does say I do I do believe finish him. Finish him. And what year is that? Oh, 1982. Okay. So, yeah. So he stole it from Tron. He might have stolen <laughs> it from Tron. Um, but yeah, uh, there's, there's some interesting things in there. Um, like Miyagi and Kreese are both soldiers, but such different soldiers, right? Like right. Kreese has all these things that he displays in his, in his studio and as a Vietnam vet. And Miyagi is from a completely different war where imagine being a Japanese fighting against the Japanese 
he fought for right. America. Um, and his awards are in a little box that he only brings out once a year when he mourns his wife. Yeah. Um, and his awards are fucking impressive. Yes, exactly. Including so, a CMOH. So, I mean, <laughs> so there's this, there's this depth there. Like they're both soldiers, but this is, this is different wars. Um, there's just so many, so many things in there that make it deeper than just uh, an eighties kid flick. And uh, yeah, it just it struck me then. And when I watch it now, it still hits on these different levels. Uh, and the Miyagi Daniel relationship is at the core of it. It is uh, it's, it's a really a special film in developing that, that complex relationship. And the other thing that confused me as I watched it this time, why the hell does Daniel have a San Diego Chargers jersey on? Yes. What's uh, that all about? A uh, West Chandler. Uh, he's, he's, right. He's going to California. He hates California. He wants nothing to do with California, but he rides out there in a San Diego Chargers jersey. Man, you know. What are you going to do? Well, that can't be. <laughs> that can't be. That can't be just an eh, right? I mean, uh, this is this is That's I I don't disagree with you. Listen, I one of my one of my notes one of my main notes right at the top of my list of stuff uh, was answered by my my background research later. Uh, basically, it was explained in a scene in the original script that they never shot, because like, listen, I, I I you know. I don't have the nostalgic connection to this movie because I didn't see it when it came out in 84 when mm -hmm. I would, when I would have been 16. Okay. Yeah. I was, this was not the movie that I was going to see when I was a 16 year old. Uh, so, you know, that's, you know, in, in very much the same way, the Goonies, why I didn't see Goonies until I was in my thirties. I just, I never, Idiot. it just, it, it keep it up. All the stuff that came out in there, that period of time, that would have been geared toward a slightly younger audience. I just skipped over. I didn't, but I didn't Daniel, bother with it. Daniel was probably around your age. Right. Well, yeah. And funnily enough, he was actually one of the older people in the cast at 22, but oh, yeah, uh, yeah. it was just hysterical. He just um, looked nine. Yeah. The only, the only teenager in the movie was Billy Zabka, which was mm -hmm. uh, when he was, he was the youngest one at 18. Everybody else was in their twenties. Right. But, um, yeah, I it's you know when I when I put this on and I saw that it was two hours plus long, I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? This movie's two hours long." And uh, I have to say, uh, it it never lost my interest. It's funny. I about a week before you told me that your movie choices, uh, I was walking through the living room. I came. I was outside smoking a cigar, and I came inside, and Deirdre had the TV on. And the Karate Kid was on TV and I walked in and I just kind of stood there and I'm like, ah, you know, I've never seen this. And she's just like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I've never I've never watched the Karate Kid. You know, I didn't see it when it came out and I've just never had any interest in going back and watching it. I wasn't a big fan of Ralph Macchio at that time. And I still don't think, you know, I just don't really he doesn't do anything for me. Doesn't move mm -hmm. the needle. And I so I stood there and I watched the movie and it's the sequence where he comes in after Miyagi fixes his bike and he's showing him how to trim the bonsai trees. And then the mom comes in, it's that little sort of like 10 or 15 minute little sequence. And, you know, I watched it. I didn't think anything of it. I was just like, okay. And then I went in the kitchen and made dinner. Uh, so, you know, I didn't see any more of it. I came back out, changed the channel. We watched something else. 
uh, I have to say, uh, I, I did not dislike the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have that thing. I don't have that connection to it. So, I mean, I can see that it's a well-made eighties, you know, this, and it's from the guy who directed Rocky, uh, you know, this is, you know, and Rocky five, as it turns out, but I mean, this is, this is a, a talented director making a, uh, you know, you see, you you look at this film because of of when you saw it and where you were at in your life, and you see a lot a lot more in it than I do looking at it for the first time as a fifty year old man. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at this and like, okay, this is a this is an '80s teen coming of age thing. Yes, I know. Obviously, I mean, listen, I know all the things you mentioned about that have like entered our zeitgeist from this film. I know all those things, and I've never seen the movie. I can I could play along with people. And never have to admit that I hadn't seen it before. Right. Because I knew all the stuff, just like you said. And it is. It's it's a strong, it's got a lot of pieces that have that have, you know, kind of become, you know, uh, just foundationary pieces of our pop culture zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I you know, one of the things that hit me right away was, you know, his mom moved across the you know, they moved across country from New Jersey to, to LA. And the first time you see the mom is in that, you know, after like in a work environment uh, is how she's talking about, you know, how she's being considered for an assistant manager job at the restaurant. And I'm like, she moved across country for a job at a restaurant. I'm like, I don't, I don't get that. You know, and I, I, I'm like, it was the first note I made about the movie. And, you know, and it turns out that in digging that. Doesn't Daniel tell the guy that his mom was in some other kind of, industry or business because well, the guy says i've never heard of it some sort of computer yeah and the yes. guy says i've never heard of it and daniel says it's up and coming so either he lied or so so what it turns out is is yes that's 100 percent correct there that you know and that, that's a passing line that i missed because clearly i didn't make that connection but apparently there was a scene in the film where she comes out for this job at this rocket computers or whatever the name of this place is and when she gets out something happens and the place goes belly up. So she's scrambling for a job. She's out on the street walking by that restaurant. And apparently someone's like, like the hostess or whatever it was, the restaurant yells, I quit at the manager and walk and, and storms out of the restaurant. And she's walking by and basically just takes that job, which is why she's working at the restaurant. You know, it gives this whole like story to why she, the connection between the real reason she moved out there and the restaurant, which was never shown or talked about. So that's, you know, now that I know that, I'm like, oh, all right, fine. You know, it's and that reinfor- that reinforces something, which is it would make Daniel say, well, why the hell are we out here anyway? Right, exactly. You know, and they do have a little bit of that conversation when, he, when he's talking to her and, and he goes, you know, you, you moved out here. You didn't bother asking me. Right. You know, they they introduced that scene and that whole situation. She's like, you're right. You're 100 percent correct, which I I thought that the mom character for what little part she does play in the movie was um, was played pretty, pretty solidly and pretty, pretty straightforward and pretty well. I mean, I think that they didn't make her out to be uh, too extreme in any direction. You know, she was there. She was trying to, like be a part of her son's life but clearly she had a lot on her plate just trying to obviously after the loss of the job that got her out there uh trying to keep you know things afloat so you know right. you can you know but uh i don't know i i you know i i had uh i, I enjoyed it. i certainly enjoyed watching it uh i was i'm glad i can finally say i've seen it 
Uh, so <laughs> I can't. I mean, like I said, I think I'm probably the last. Uh, the I last guy, Cobra Kai. The last guy on Earth to uh, to to have seen this movie, but um, uh, I'm, there's more of us out there than you think. Um, <laughs> I will uh, I will go to Latham and uh, and and see what uh, was his feelings about uh, Karate Kid are. Well. I have to admit, I didn't see this till the 2000s. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm right behind you too. The re- the reason I didn't see it when it came out, and I was seeing everything in the theater after '82. Sure. So to miss this, the reason for me was I, I just didn't find karate interesting. I was just like, ah, that, that's not really a sport. I don't, I don't really want to watch this movie, and nothing about it drew me to the theater to see it in the theater. So I never saw it in the theater. Then there were little like pieces of pop culture, like you were saying, like, you know, the entire pop culture of this movie. And then there, there were these little pop culture pieces that would come into my life. Like, for instance, uh, the song from the movie Cruel, you know, Cruel Summer by Bananarama. It, it literally is one of my favorite songs <laughs> of all time. It's not on the soundtrack, but it's in the yeah. movie. And, it, uh, you know, I, I love it. And I, you know, I, at some point I just looked it up. I'm like, I didn't know it was from that movie. And then I made the connection. I'm like, Oh, okay. That's inching me a little towards watching this movie, but that's not enough yet. Um, <laughs> when I used to follow the Academy Awards and that year, uh, Pat Morita got nominated best supporting actor for this. Yeah. movie, And I was like, wow, I guess that movie's better than I thought. Uh, it actually got an you know, Oscar nomination. I don't know. I just, it, it became one of those things where I was over at someone's house and we had nothing to do. And that was what was coming on, you know, pre pre before you could order everything you wanted on demand uh, just was on one of the movie channels and, and we sat and watched it. And it was, it was strange watching because like, like you said, Steve, you just watched it. So your nostalgia connection is less than uh, other people saw it when they're kids. And I think it's a good film. I think it's, you know, a, it, it's certainly a, film that gets you know that gets you cheering by the end of it and you know the friendship between pat Morita and ralph macho is is you know it's unique and every time that there's a scene with just the two of them those are the best scenes in the movie uh better than the fighting scenes which probably you know is not necessarily well i mean from a director's standpoint you probably wanted that that way but you but you also want them equal you want the fighting scenes to carry the same way the the final scene in the film, the final fight and the tournament, it, that to me, that's the detriment of the film. I think I think it just kind of it's it becomes really really cliche there, and it kind of loses it a little bit at that point. I I still think it's a good movie, but I wouldn't um, you know I wouldn't say it's one of the best movies of the eighties. It wouldn't be you know at the top of my list. Certainly not above Goonies. Okay, nothing, <laughs> nothing. But um, I uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's got a great soundtrack. Um, the score is by Bill Conti, too, I, I, who I really yep. like a lot. Um, yeah, it's interesting that a film called The Karate Kid, which, you know, which ostensibly was sold, you know, if you watch the trailers for this film, there's a lot of uh, of the karate element played up in it. And to to watch this movie two hours long and to have all of the karate based material be the least interesting part of the movie is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. 
It is. And that's why that's probably why I liked it. I mean, I don't love this movie. I think it's a good movie. I think if you want to see 80s movies, you got to see this to add it to, you know, everything you've seen. But all the small scenes, the quiet scenes in this movie are the glue that holds it together. I mean, there's a lot of cheese in the other scenes and, (laughs) you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I think without Pat Morita too, I don't know how well this holds up. He's pretty much the star of this. And, and despite being a supporting character, it's without him, this, this movie is, is nothing. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I just, it's, it's fun to see all the eighties nostalgia in it and uh, to hear the music and how, you know, Alvidson makes all these movies about the underdogs and this is, this is a real good one, but it seems more based in a reality along the lines of Rocky. Oh yeah. Um, and that, that's why it, to me, that's why, how it works best. Um, so yeah, I enjoy it. I think it's, I've seen it a few times now and I, I enjoyed watching it again. It's, it's, it's fun. It's certainly not, um, you know, it's flaws are ones you can look past and just, just enjoy it as a, uh, arousing, uh, happy film. Like you, you had said, Latham, that even the fight scene at the end is is not the greatest. But the the best part of that is that little scene in the middle of the tournament where Pat Morita yep. and Daniel have their conversation. Absolutely. And after he gets injured. Yeah. I mean, there, there's parts of it that are OK. It's just I guess you don't have anywhere else to go with what you're leading to here. Um, so you know, the final pose he makes to knock the guy out. I mean, it's, that's iconic now. So you can even look past that. But when you, you know, when you start to think about it, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. And it's not, that's Uh, not the original ending. The original ending is the beginning of Karate Kid 2. Exactly. Exactly. Ah, The original ending is the, the opening sequence from Karate Kid 2 that they decided to, to chop off and put on to Karate Kid 2 instead. Because that smile of Pat Morita acknowledgement was just, yep, done. Yep, and and, and originally the original ending there actually they had them ending on Daniel being carried off on everybody's hands, and they added in that little piece with Pat Morita, and they were and uh, uh, Abelson wasn't sure about it, but once he saw it put all together, he was like, "That's how we end it." That's because you, you lean on your Michael Jordan and you, <laughs> that's what you do. You see Marita carried it and he was classed the, the one to end it on. For, for a long movie, though, that last shot is a little bit abrupt. I've always thought it feels I, I understand why they did it, but it, it seems like it we come to a, a really screeching halt there. And I, I didn't even know they that I've never seen Karate Kid Part Two. So um, obviously neither. I didn't. <laughs> Why? Well, I mean, I, I'm reading about. Yeah. It, but I mean, it, but yeah, the it, you know, Karate Kid Two beat first scene is a confrontation between Miyagi and Kreese in a parking lot, out, right. right outside of the tournament. And that was filmed for once. Yes. No. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it was not filmed. That for probably one. would have been. That probably would well, that, have been worse. Well, that was supposed but, to be the ending, right? It was scripted it, for one. It was scripted for one, but it wasn't shot in the first one. Oh, they didn't shoot. Correct. Okay. Well, all right. Well, whatever. So you freeze frame on his, you freeze frame on his face. It's right. <laughs> uh, no, I was going to say that, you know, it's funny when I was watching the movie and they got to the tournament, I was curious to see how much of the movie was actually left. 
So I, I, I reached over and I bumped my mouse and I saw and I saw that there was only about 16 or 17 minutes of film time actually left. And I was like, OK, wow, this is they're going to move right through this. Then this they're not going to spend a lot of time on this, which, again, like we mentioned, was it was nice to see because I just think that, like you said, I think the karate stuff, the fighting stuff in this movie. And honestly, I think looking back at this movie, I don't know that you couldn't cut this down to 140 and be a, a super tight version of this film. I thought I thought that there was there was more bullying up front than they I think they got their point across pretty quickly and they 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 kept pushing and kept pushing it uh more than they needed to. But that's obviously in hindsight's 2020 and I listen I'm not unupset about it but Hassan please. Yes, are you shaking your head there at me so uh first of all the advertising um of the day gives away the ending before you even go to see it because um <laughs> i'm not kidding uh they basically they used they do this they still kind of do this now but they used to do it a lot in the 80s where they they give you know they have the critics they you know while you're showing clips from the this the film you have the the you know you they they read off you know this the stuff that the critics have said and all the critics have said by the end of the movie you will be standing and cheering you know and and at the you know and the, the you know at the edge of your seat at, and his, at his devastating loss in the <laughs> right you're like I'm basically you know obviously he wins because why would i be cheering if he lost you know um right so so i went to the movie knowing that he would most likely win and i was 11 years old Here's the the problem with the film uh, for you guys is that it's very much of a had to be there kind of situation. You can't experience that movie in the a- in the aftermath of its of uh, its celebrity. So, like some of the stuff that you're saying, yeah, you know, all of it, all of it works. All of it, all of what you're saying is legitimate. But I'm telling you, as, as one of the target audience, it didn't matter when you were watching it. it. Didn't matter that you knew the ending while you were watching it, because in the process of watching it, you got so tired of seeing this guy get his ass kicked for you know for an hour and a half, whatever, and not really being able to stand up for himself. That by the time you get to the end of the film, it literally is. And like I understand what you're saying about it being abrupt, Latham, but when you're watching it in an audience and the audience all stands up and cheers after that crane kick, the movie, the, the, the movie just stopping at that point doesn't feel rushed. It doesn't feel like, Oh, you know, that's, that's, you know, we're, that's it. <laughs> I still got half my bucket of popcorn here. What's going on. <laughs> and it's weird watching this again. I haven't seen it in a long time. I haven't seen it in quite a while, like a couple of years. And it's weird watching it now being informed by, the information you get from Cobra Kai, uh, which we won't really deeply discuss, but it is, you know, the Cobra Kai is such a well done uh, love letter to this movie that Scott, have you watched those? Oh, absolutely. And it's funny. And I'll just and I'll mm-hmm. just mention real quick that Deirdre recently watched all the episodes of Cobra Kai because she looks for stuff to watch on Wednesday nights when we record the shows. So she went through and watched all the Cobra Kai episodes. And she said that after watching the Cobra Kai episodes, she actually thought more highly of the original movie 
after watching Cobra Kai. That's what I. That's what I just said. It's, I, it's, I absolutely love Cobra Kai. Yeah. It's a wonderful love letter to the to the film in and of itself. And if you're a, if you're a stickler for detail, you get there's so many Easter eggs in a TV show. That that's what she said. Great. But the thing I did discover while you watching it is that Johnny's not the villain of this story. It's really Allie, because every. In, in, every encounter he had, Daniel has with her, she initiates the encounter, and then minutes later he's getting his ass kicked. <laughs> so if she would just leave him the fuck alone, he, he probably would have gotten through most of that movie without any limbs broken. It's just kind of strange. Like, okay, the initial the, the initial sequence on the beach that's 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 nobody's fault. He has no idea that there's an ogre and a whole squad of fucking you know night riders that are hanging out on the on the cliff that are about to ride <laughs> down on them right so that's not his fault but after that every time he sees her she he kind of avoids her and she goes running towards him and at one point he sees them and there's five or fucking six of them and she's like we have to deal with this and he's like yeah what do you mean we <laughs> i'm yeah, the wait, one dealing do. with it you're not dealing with it no one's hitting you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one's clobbering you i i saw this movie with my at the whitestone cinema probably a couple of weeks after it came out with my mother and my mother's boyfriend at the time and he was oscar was a very enthusiastic movie watcher which actually annoyed me at, at 11 i i thought that everybody <laughs> should should sit there and, and be dignified while watching these movies and he was he was like, oh, was he, when, a, was he was he a screen talker? No, he didn't talk. But like when the sequence where he's getting beat up by the guys and Pat Morita is like sneaking up on them, he was like, oh my god, this could be awesome! Like he was he was really like, oh look at this, this is great. And uh, you know, like at the time, I was like, would you shut up? You're you're a man. You're an adult. You're supposed to act like an adult. <laughs> and then you know, watching the movie years later, it's like, man, I miss him. <laughs> he made movies. I remember, and like this is completely off topic. I yelled at him one time in the middle of a movie because Rambo had come back with the with the POWs in the in the helicopter, and Troutman didn't stop Rambo from going to beat up Crease, who actually was the bad guy in in Rambo too. In That's Rambo. right. And, and, right. <laughs> and Oscar was like, oh, "He's not going to stop him. He's going to get his ass kicked." And I'm like, let go of me. Because <laughs> he grabbed me by my shoulder and he was shaking me. And I was like, let go of me, old man. It was really funny. I feel bad for that now. I tell him about that now when I talk to him. He's, he doesn't remember it. But I was like, yeah. He was, he was, <laughs> watching movies with him was, was a, a treat. But at the time, I didn't, I didn't appreciate it. But actually, Karate Kid is one of the three movies I watched with him. Because I also went to see Gremlins with him for the first time. And oh and they're just fantastic. Uh, I, I you know they're fantastic nostalgia bombs for me. You know, watching those movies, I can't really judge the Karate Kid because I've seen it a, a million times and I saw it at when I was eleven years old. I can tell you guys, I understand exactly what you're saying. I'm watching it now with a more discerning, you know, uh, more of a <laughs> cinematic understanding of the way things work. I can understand what you're saying at the at the time. There weren't a lot of, there was no John Wick at the time. So there were no hard charging karate sequences unless you were talking about, you know, drive-in theater where they showed a lot of those uh, 1960s, uh, you know, uh, Toho, like uh, Kung Fu movies. And yeah. those were considered 
a joke when I was growing up. Right. So right. you weren't going to see a lot of movies. <laughs> now you shall die. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. So, but so you never, you never took the movie seriously and you never, they, they were great movies. I'm not denigrating them, but there was a, you put them in a different ca- category than watching yes. an American, you know, Hollywood movie. So yeah, he didn't, you know, he didn't do a lot of monkey flips. He didn't, you know, he didn't, uh, he didn't break any arms and break necks and stuff like that and walk through a room full of people. But the action sequences at the time were, were very cutting edge at, in 1984, you know, I mean, the, nobody, no, no other than like exploitation cinema, like, you know, American Ninja and some of those other movies, very few like American protagonists knew karate you know, knew any, any special fighting techniques. And Indiana Jones used to get his ass kicked all the time, you know, or shoot his, you know, shoot the bad guys. So, I mean, that's kind of what we were used to. So it's not just the fact that he was able to hold his own at the end of that, at, at the, at the end of the tournament actually elevated him as a, you know, as someone that, you know, we as kids or my friends or whatever kind of wanted to, we wanted to learn karate so we could do that. We wanted to learn the Miyagi karate where you could basically become a Jedi in about six months. But you know that doesn't really exist. <laughs> oh, Thirty days, yeah, like 30, or something, yeah, thirty-five days or something, something like that. Like. Yeah, I mean, and, I mean, <laughs> and even at eleven, I'm like that wouldn't have worked because he would have started screaming at me, and I wouldn't have known to use the paint the floor or whatever to block those shots. You know, that's a very cinematic way of conveying that information, but it was really right. well done, and it worked on the audience because people were cheering even at that scene when you realize that he's been he was being. Uh, right. You know, like, uh, you know, very uh, subtly trained to uh, his body motion and his uh, and his uh, muscles and joints were being uh, sharpened up or fine tuned to be able to do some hardcore training. Um, I was struck watching this movie now is just how well constructed a story it was like looking at it from a p- complete storytelling uh, uh, standpoint, knowing all the pitfalls and all the uh, all the, the, the red herrings and tricks. The fact that, you know, the first time Daniel sees uh, Miyagi, he's terrified of him because Miyagi is like kind of this scary dude. I, I remember being afraid of Miyagi when I was a kid. It, it's completely it, it 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 completely baffles me now. I, I can't get back to where my where my 11 year old brain was at the time for it, because, you know, we've seen Pat Morita. I mean, there's been a cartoon of the Karate Kid. Okay, so I mean, it's been. I mean, he's and he was a, he was a comedian mm-hmm. before this. I mean, they they were like yeah, the, he was he was Arnold was like on real Happy Days. He, he was real. They were real iffy about casting him in this role because he was a he was a stand up comedian and a comedic actor before all this. And I knew, and yeah, I knew he, who they, he was because I used to watch Happy Days, so I knew exactly right. who he was. Yeah. He steps back and closes the door. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. Like, you know, there's the fact that he fixed his bike. There's a lot of mysticism played in this. And I don't mean it the Asian uh-huh. mysticism. It's, it's a lot of uh, a lot of the stuff that you see Pat Morita do, because actually Pat Morita doesn't really do anything in the film. He does have that one fight with uh, with uh, Daniel's uh, bullies in the, the, the famous skeleton crew um, yeah. scene. And he has the scene with Daniel where he's, you know, he's showing him that he's been training him and Daniel blocks all his kicks or whatever. That's basically the most that Pat Morita does. He fixes his bike off camera. He, you know, he kind of fixes the, the faucet. You, you get a, you get an inkling of that. 
but that's mostly, you know, you don't really see what he's done. He's, he's more of a mystic creature that comes in and fixes something or repairs something or, or bails Daniel out and, you know, drops a couple of tokens of wisdom on him and then, and then bails, but yeah. it's done. It's done so well. And it's done. It's not done in an exploitation kind of way. So you're just, you, you kind of, you're all right with it. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't tickle you the wrong way that they're, you know, the, the, you know, that this, that there's a kind of a supernatural element to it because it's not really played he's, up that he's much. Mary Poppins y'all. He, 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 but it's close. I know the joke, but it's close. It's, it's very close. <laughs> you know, even the he, little he, subtle he, way where he steals the black belt, you know, and he, yeah. and he gives it to Ellie and she runs away with it. Um, Allie, excuse me. With an eye. Yes. Who was still hot. She was never, she yeah. was never yeah. as hot as she she was back then in that movie. I've seen her in a, a dozen other movies. I've, I've always been like, she does not look as good as she did in The Karate Kid. And I was 11. So, I mean, what can you do? Poor me. Miyagi knows people. Huh? You know, he's even a healer. Yeah. He could just put his, he, right. he rubs his hands together and puts his hands on you and you, you get better and you can fight. You could, you could beat up all your enemies after that. That's amazing. That's right. When you're a That's kid right. who's not. <laughs> who's not socially popular in his school that's what you just want to meet a miyagi you know but like you guys if you've seen it you know you've seen it in your 30s or 40s you're gonna you're you're only gonna appreciate the 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 value of the film in and of itself you're not going to be able to get in touch with that stuff and you shouldn't it's and it, that, that doesn't make the movie great just because i've seen it when i was 11 i am in the unique position to be able to tell you guys is some of the stuff that you were didn't matter at the time it doesn't mean that you're not wrong right. you're not right about it but it just didn't matter when you know while watching it as a you know while while as as one of the people who the potion did work on it didn't it didn't right. you know we didn't care uh it's a great right, movie I'll, it's, I'll... go ahead no no go ahead Finish it's up. a great movie it's in the it's kind of in the category of jaws to me it's not as great as jaws but it's in the category of i can't really say anything about it i don't have a crit I, I can't objectively critique this film um just because of what the film is to me and who i was when i first saw it it's 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 uh it's in a category beyond like or dislike it is you know it's just a seminal moment of my uh upbringing I, I do think watching it again as an adult, as I had hinted at, I think it's a really strongly constructed story. I think it's got, I think all three of its acts are, are well present. I don't think it loses its way at any point. I think it has a very subtle way of communicating, uh, conveying information that you wouldn't have had if you weren't paying attention to it. And I do want to know, I don't know if you know this, Steve, how long was that fucking restaurant shot? How long did that take to set up? Because that is some, that is some crazy. Fuck this up, and you ruin the whole shot. You know, with Daniel, oh, the and, the Daniel and his mother, his while those talking? guys are out the window, and they come up, and the guy sees them, and then he runs back, and they all see him, and then they run off, and and it establishes the menace that is waiting for Daniel as he goes home, while he's reminiscing about right. Allie. And I'm like, this is so well done because you see, you have them, you have Daniel and his mother in the foreground, both in frame, and then in in between them, you see all of Daniel's you know, en enemies, his nemesis, uh, you know, out there menacing him, waiting for him to come outside. Yeah. It's really well done. I enjoyed the film. I think you guys can, I think you guys should watch the second movie. You can stop there, though, in my opinion. <laughs> Karate Kid 3 is okay, but it's not that great. It's kind of more the same. And, and the next Karate Kid, 
you jump off a cliff. <laughs> Just jump off you know, a cliff, in my opinion. To, to your to your point of the nostalgia connection, I mean, yes, you're you're 100 correct. We can't connect with the movie on that level of that 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 you guys did when you saw it, when it came out at the age you were at, and it just hit right the it hit right at the right time and in, in, in your lives or whatever. But we still can recognize, you know, nostalgic connection or not. There are plenty of films out there that people have nostalgic connections with that in and of themselves are not great movies. This is a well-done film. I mean, you can't, you can't call it, a crap movie it's not a crap movie yeah. just because we don't have that connection to it it's still nice to see a good movie regardless of uh, a lack of 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 emotional connection we have to it so that's always nice anyway well i'm only i only made that statement because of the of of what you said about some of the stuff sure that you thought that could have been different or could have been done. And I, and I, as I said Fair before, enough. you're not wrong, but as a person who was there, it didn't see, it didn't matter to us, you know, right now. And I, right. and I also said, as I also gave the caveat, we can't judge movies like that. We can't judge every movie by who we were when we first saw them, you know, like sure. you have to be objective about the movie in and of itself and its flaws and its problems. I totally get that. I don't, I don't uh, discredit, your observations of it, but in, but in any way, but I'm just saying, you know, just, just one of the few times I actually could tell you exactly what people thought when they were there, you know, cause we've, we've mm-hmm. had that discussion many times. Yes. I, you know, I, that's the only reason I added that in. I, you know, I don't disagree with you. Yeah. A lot of fun stuff about this movie. Some, some alternatives to the Ralph Macchio, uh, Charlie Sheen turned down the role. Um, it was also offered to Sean Penn who turned it down uh, DB Sweeney, who was a real, it was a complete unknown at the time uh, read for the role and C Thomas Howell was asked to read for it, but declined. So he had that, um, he had that ET money. <laughs> yeah. He had that ET, ET money, money right? motherfuckers. <laughs> it's interesting. Martin Cove uh, who played John Kreese was rumored to have replaced Chuck Norris. Oh, uh, in the original casting process, because the story is that Norris turned down the role of crease because he didn't want karate trainers to be shown in that light. Norris has since said in subsequent interviews that he was never offered the role, but if he had been, he probably would have declined it for exactly that reason. So that's, that's a kind of interesting debunking of the myth uh, just saying, yeah, by the way, yeah, yeah that's probably what would happen, but. <laughs> so another another uh, uh, Asian American who was offered who was uh, considered for the role of Mr. Miyagi uh, was Mako. I don't know if you guys remember the actor Mako, but uh, ended up had already committed to Conan the Destroyer <laughs> and uh, <laughs> could not get out of it in order to take the role. <laughs> uh, but subsequently would play a similar role in the movie Sidekicks in 1992. <laughs> Better late than never. <laughs> so, and this is an inter- this is an interesting bit, and I did not watch through the credits to see if it was there, but I assume it is. So, when I was growing up reading comics, uh, and I don't know if any of you, and I know Latham, you're not a comics guy. This doesn't affect you, but uh, but Latham and and Scott, I know read comics as kids. Uh, did either of you ever read Legion of Superheroes at all? No, I did not really. Okay, so. 
so there was as part legion of superheroes for those who don't know was uh at the time back in the 70s and 80s was this group of what appeared to be roughly older teenagers or very very early 20s group of superheroes that were gathered from all different planets all different races across the galaxy and they formed the legion of superheroes and they were space-based and they had all their adventures were on other planets and have were all you know out kind of outside the 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 earth of you know activity so they had a character named karate kid who was dressed in a gi and that you know gold gold edged white gi and you know but he was called karate kid they were all called uh either lad lass kid girl boy you know it was a cosmic boy antimatter lad uh lightning lass you know they all had lad you know these kind of youthful names but he there was karate kid and apparently dc owned the name and so when they wanted to name this film, The Karate Kid, DC Comics had to give permission to them for them to name the movie this. And they did. And apparently there's a special thanks in the credits to DC Comics, which I, I found hilarious considering the way DC Comics is now. Um, <laughs> well, Warner which Brothers, would, mostly. Which would never, would never fucking let that happen. So uh, speaking to the music a little bit, Lay, the song uh, that's over the, the karate tournament, You're the Best, that's in was at, I was going to ask you, did you notice that? Do you now finally get that commercial that it's in with the little kid in the uh, in the garage? What he's in, he's in, he's lifting paint cans. There's a there's a no, there's a modern no. commercial about that because that song. Oh, OK. And the karate kid are just like they're they're just so, you know, ingrained. And so there's a little so, kid who's trying to build himself up with like paint with a stick with paint cans on him. And they're playing that music in the background. That's funny. So apparently that song was originally written for Rocky three. And because if you listen to the lyrics, there is a line in there that makes more sense. It being Rocky three than karate kid one. And uh, when they dropped it for survivors, eye of the tiger, uh, it ended up getting picked up for this production and added on to this along with survivor who did the, the theme song for this movie anyway. So, <laughs> you know, whatever it may be. Uh, what? 35 years or what 30 is that right 35 years 35 years too late but you know <laughs> I, I still enjoyed it uh it's a good movie uh i i, I can't i can't honestly imagine watching it again <laughs> i don't think i'll ever I'll, I'll ever need to but i i'm i'm really glad that you know like latham it's a, you know it's it's a one i can cross off the list and now now watch kingdom of the crystal skull yeah i'll get there do it do um, it do it do it so uh so that is karate kid without the voice break <laughs> jesus oh <laughs> so uh scott for our martini we'll be uh discussing the films of one john g abelson and uh if you pull up his catalog, um, what you think? Uh, what you think his his best film is? I think. Uh, do we? Did, does he have, have a better film than Rocky? Yes. No. <laughs> okay. We got to fight. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and fight. <laughs> no, 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 fight. no fight. I just think Rocky's one of the one of the best movies of all time. So, uh, I and and movies are taste. So there's no fight in here. I I just love Rocky. What, what what's your what's your choice, Le? Lean on me. Ah, okay. That's that's perf- close to a perfect school movie. It's really well done. I mean, Morgan Freeman is. Yeah, and and looking through his list of films, it's it's funny the array of stuff that he did. I mean, he was really he's kind of one of these he's one of these journeyman directors who came in and he just did you know whatever he was given. He 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 made it pretty solidly. You know, I'm I, I'm even interested at this point in going and watching you know his second to last film. This is listed in here as is Inferno, and he actually did it under a different name. But the director's cut is under his own name, but it's a John Claude Van Damme film. It's a straight yeah. to video movie called Desert Heat. But right. now I now I kind of want to go dig up the director's cut of this and see, you know, see it. Right. Um, he did. Uh, he did one of my what I what I consider to be one of the most underrated films uh, that I well, I may not be underrated. I just really like it and I never feel like it got much. Uh, nobody ever really talks about it. The film Eight Seconds with Luke Perry as the bull rider. Oh, uh, yes. That's a great movie. Uh, and I just, you know, he did, he did Power of One, Rocky Five. He did all three Karate Kid films. Four Keeps is a great, uh, you know, great 80s relationship film. Power One is a really good movie. Um, What's a, night, hmm. what's a night in heaven? Oh, whoa, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, but he did WW and the Dixie Dance Kings. I did, was I was surprised to see that one on there. And uh, and Save the Tiger. Those are those are the ones I I really uh, recognized. And the, oh, and Joe. Yeah, I would have to agree with Scott. I would say Rocky is his uh, is his magnum opus with um. Yeah, I, th- I, I Karate I, I, Kid being a close second. I, I yeah, I don't know about Karate Kid because I don't I don't think there's there's some there's some there's some other holes in here. Like I haven't seen the formula, and I haven't seen um, there's a, some of his older stuff I haven't seen obviously. But I there, I would I would have to see more of his stuff to to see if there's the... anything that would outseat Rocky as far as I'm concerned. I, I I think that's probably the best film he's he made. Um. But hey, what are you going to do? Uh, but anywho, uh, well, all right then. Uh, well, listen, thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out with us again. Absolutely, man. It was a pleasure. Uh, always a good time with you guys. I hope I uh, I wanted to keep in the theme, so I figured I'd, I'd pick two martial arts movies. Sorry, Latham, yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> but but um, if you're, like, you're the guest, you can pick whatever movies you like. That's that was a I pleasure, said. man. That's great. I love I love talking about uh about films with you guys. It's a ton of fun. Awesome. Great. Uh so thanks to Fesley Music. Uh please check out our website at cinementalpod.com for all of our previous episodes. And don't forget to download, subscribe to Cinemental wherever you enjoy your podcast. You can always listen to new episodes at cinementalpod.com. Also, you can follow us on all major social media accounts at cinementalpod. For Hassan Godwin, Lathan Conger III, Scott Klein, and myself, we say thank you so much for listening. And as always, in the words of our friend and crotch-punching karate punk, Truman Burbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.